Welcome to Battleground. Today is Thursday, and last night was an ass-kicking. I mean, you know, we got to call it what it is. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Uh, Kamala Harris showed exactly why she's so, so unlikable. I didn't think anybody could hit the numbers that Hillary Clinton hit on unlikability, but we have a new queen in the house, um, and we have a great panel today. As usual, the great Alfonso Hilar, the great Dania. Alexandrino, the stud, producer, former CNN, Univision, you name it, the professor, and uh, Willie Lora. He, this, this, this guy is uh, the myth, the legend. He's the real deal. Uh, guys, thanks uh, for being on Battleground. Today's Thursday, October the 8th. We are 26 days from the election, and uh, if last night showed anything, it showed that um, the Democrats are dishonest. Uh, she would not answer very quickly key direct pointed questions, especially about packing the court, her and Joe Biden. Um, they're arrogant, they're condescending, they show their disdain for the American people and for the issues that Americans care about. And uh, you know what, uh, like I said, we have a new queen in the house. Uh, wow, I mean, her smirks, her body language, her expression. Um, and uh, I'm gonna kick it off with Danya because you know I have no choice but to go there because I'm gonna go there. Uh, Daniel, the professor, talk to me, man. What the hell was that last night? And what is all this about mansplaining? Oye me, oye me. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to go Spanglish on you here. Go ahead. <laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens, um, Ivan, when, when you have someone that they know that their candidate did so bad that they have no other choice but to resort to the typical uh, identity politics. Oh, he's mansplaining her. Wait a minute, aren't you the same people who want equal treatment for women? Aren't you the same people who are constantly bashing men for opening the doors for women? But when a man treats a woman the same way that he would treat a man in a debate, then he's mansplaining. I mean, I just, I laughed so hard when I saw some of those comments. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, I mean, I did not see any sensitivity whatsoever on her behalf. I mean, she did not seem to me like she was being phased at all or she felt insulted because she's a woman. I mean, this is a woman that's a, that was a prosecutor. I'm pretty sure she can, pre she can hold her own, not just in a courtroom, but also on a de debate stage. So I don't really think she needs anybody coming into her defense talking about, oh, he was mansplaining her. Mm, no, he wasn't. He was just pointing out the fact that she was lying and he was pointing out the fact that facts don't care about your emotions and he was pointing out the fact that she's she has a right to her opinion not to her own facts and i thought that that was amazing the fact that he pointed that out to her twice i was like there you go and he did it in such a gentle gentlemanly fashion that i think that that's what bothers a lot of these uh feminazis what i which is what i call them you know these feminist women that literally have just uh completely 
diverted the actual intention of the feminist movement. And I was like, no, that was a gentleman. Actually, you know what? I like a man opening the door for me. I like a man pulling the chair back for me to sit down. Um, so no, I didn't, as a woman, a woman who defends, you know, equal treatment for women, I actually don't mind toxic masculinity and a man, you know, treating me the same equal and, and thinking that I have the same ability as him to respond to his, you know, to, to his comments. It's just, I just thought it was so ridiculous when I saw that. I was like, oh my goodness, really? Are we get, are we going there? It was funny. Hey, Willie, um, <laughs> I know you, you love to monitor the media and your former colleagues over on that nut house. Um, <laughs> No, <laughs> I, I can't. I don't I can, know what to tell you, brother. You, but you, you know, know, the minute the minute I saw that the headline was the flight on Pence, hey, I knew that he made he did really good <laughs> during the debate, because you know, obviously, we we saw more policy discussion last night. But truly, like Daniel was saying, okay, so I guess Kim Jong Un in the president of China is going to say, well, we we're not going to be that tough to the U.S. because they have a woman as a vice president. Exactly. It's insane. Exactly. You know, this is insanity. You know, we, we're talking about the person that if you look at it, um, the person that might become president if the president cannot do the job. And we're seeing the conditions, uh, the health condition of Biden. We're seeing the problems with the, with the president in terms of health. These are the two people that can, you know, in a minute notice can will have to jump in to lead the country. So, you know, for her to start saying, well, you know, oh, not for her, for the media, mainly to start saying, well, you know, they, she was treated badly because, you know, they needed to be careful because she was a woman. It's, it's, it's not crazy. It's crazy. You know, these, these are the people that, you know, that thinking that, well, Kim Jong-un or, you know, the prisoner of China are going to be easy, are going to be so easy in a policy towards the U.S. because she's a woman. It's, it's crazy. You know, I think that in, in, their, their argument normally is. I mean, it's, it's complete paradox. Yeah. In comparison that, you know, obviously. Except when it comes to a debate. We, we saw what happened on the first debate. Obviously, last night we saw more policy discussion. We, uh, we saw how, you know, uh, Pence was able to say, to, 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 not, to have it not answer the main question about packing the court. That's going to be the main question in the election. And she couldn't answer that. Uh, you know, Biden cannot answer that. So that was key during the last night debate. If it wasn't clear to people that they were going to pack the court, I don't know what else. Oh, it's very clear now. I mean, the Supreme Court of the United States is on the ballot right now. Exactly. Uh, hey, Alfonso, wanted to, wanted to actually peel off right there. And, uh, and, and what Willie said is uh, packing the court, that, that was 100% evident. And, and, and I think it's key. Um, but also, I wanted to bring up something that, that, that is very dear to you and me is uh, Mike Pence's word on uh, I'm pro-life and I'm not ashamed of it or, or, or paraphrasing here. Um, that's key. That was key last night. Absolutely. But let me first say, as somebody who's been uh, female-splained uh, often, uh, that uh, I, I think the media's uh, whole uh, uh, argument that uh, Mike Pence was uh, being unfair and disrespectful towards uh, Senator Harris is, is just totally absurd. You know, if you don't want to, as President Truman said, if you don't want to get hot, don't get near the kitchen. I, I think she can handle herself. Yeah. And, and she's aggressive. And that's why she com comes across as unlikable. Whereas I think the vice president is, was aggressive. He was tough. But at the same time, very articulate, very clear, and comes across as a very honest, sincere person. That's it was very cool, stuff. wasn't he? he was He didn't get hot like she did. Exactly. So the whole mass placing, man, uh, um, 
Mansplaining. Yeah, mansplaining. I know we don't use that word often. So. We don't. We don't. Uh, it's a weird, well, you know, the radical base of the party uh, understands that. So I guess that's why the media is going there. But to your question on pro-life, I, I think that's where the Republican ticket differs from the Biden-Harris ticket or the Harris-Biden ticket, as, as, as she called it. Yeah. Called it. Uh, I think that uh, these are people of principle and they're willing to say what they stand on based on principle, uh, not on polls. And look, he said it very clearly, I'm pro-life. You know, and we know that Mike Pence got involved in politics precisely because of the issue of the right to life. But he was also clear that you have a Joe Biden and a Kamala Harris that support abortion during the nine months till the very end. And she kept nodding, saying, no, 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 we don't. Well, you do. If you support Roe versus Wade, as she does, what Roe versus Wade establishes is it, basically it allows, it legalizes abortion from conception to natural, uh, to, to, to the very the end. Birth, yeah, the birth. Yeah. Uh, does it allow for limitations in the last trimester? Perhaps, yes, it depends. But the question is that it allows for abortion during the nine months. So to say that uh, they're not for late-term abortion, it's just not being honest. And I think that, that frankly, they came, she came across not only as, as, as with her smirks as being uh, cynical, but also dishonest. Uh, when she was asked about the question about packing the courts, they can't answer a question. And that's a very basic question, which, you know, it's a radical proposition that if you win and you have a minority in the court, then you're going to increase the number so you can impose your radical judge, your activist judges. Uh, in the court. That's a very radical proposition, and she knows it. That's why she doesn't answer. But I think that, uh, you know, the whole COVID thing, which COVID was a big part of the debate, I, I think she, you know, as I was saying before we started the, the podcast, it's, it's an argument of emotion versus reality. You know, she criticized the administration, saying they don't have a plan. And then when, when they push her on what's the plan, she says, well, uh, producing more professional equipment, uh, having a vaccine, that's already being done and very well. They don't have a plan. And she, and she and Biden got called out for plagiarism, right? Which was very- Exactly, exactly. That's, yeah. what, that's what, how Pence countered, you know, well, you know, I see your plan, it sounds very much like ours. And, uh, you know, you're plagiar plagiarizing and, and, and certainly Pence is somebody who knows about plagiarism. Uh, but the whole point is that, you know, they keep saying the same thing. We have over 200 deaths and the administration has been incompetent. But I think uh, Vice President Pence did something that I think the president and, and everyone involved in the campaign should continue doing. They should defend the record of this administration in managing the COVID crisis. We didn't lose lives because of the administration's response. We saved lives, hundreds of thousands of lives. First of all, by imposing the uh, the ban from uh, of from of travel from China, which which uh, as Vice President Pence said, um, Biden opposed, calling it xenophobic mm -hmm. and 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 hysterical. So they're the ones that were not willing to accept at the very beginning that we had a serious crisis. Mm -hmm. So I think that he defended the response, talked about the incredible mobilization that we had in terms of producing professional equipment. Uh, expanding hospital capacity and also uh, speeding up 
the development of a vaccine. We're going to have a vaccine by the end of the year, he said. And I think that's very impressive. So that's the reality. The, the, what the, and, and, Biden, and Pence was very clear. What the administration did saved lives. I think, and I was happy he said it that way because I think he, he neutralized the attacks from Kamala Harris. And he showed that he wasn't in the, on the defensive. He was explaining clearly that they did a good job. And then he contrasted that with the response of the Obama-Biden administration to the H1N1 pandemic. I thought that was a big uh, Thank God it wasn't lethal because 60 million Americans got it. And Biden's own chief of staff said that they did everything wrong and that thankfully it wasn't lethal because millions would have died. So that's a contrast in terms of managing. That was a big, big moment too, by the way. Hey, Willie, how, how do you rate the, the, um, the post game, the media's coverage and not the beat up on CNN? I know you and Danya hold that network very dear to your, to your hearts. Um, but how, how do you rate that clown show? I mean, uh, you but know, the thing it, is like it, it, it was stopped, it was something that it, it wasn't. Stopped, um, it, it stopped being journalism, and 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 it's just pure activism. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it a lot. He, he's and, not. And they, they should just be registered as a super PAC, don't you think? It's not even a surprise. I think if it was something that we will say, well, you know, we'll be surprised, but it wasn't even surprising. You know, like I said at the beginning, it's like you, if the headline was the flight on Pence's hair, it, it, it means completely that he, you know, he did really, really well. So, and, and then you, you listen how they talked about the issues, exactly what Alfonso was saying. It's like, he, you know, he basically destroyed her on, on the same issues. I was laughing the other day because I was reading a tweet that Biden put out that says, so we're going to accelerate uh, the vaccine. And I'm like, okay, I didn't know that Biden had a laboratory. I have no idea that he was a doctor. I have no idea that he was an expert on that. It's like, obviously, the people that knows about these issues, the, the, the experts, the, the best labs in the world, are working on a, on a vaccine in the fastest, more uh, safe, you know, safest way. I'm in Europe. There's 125 different vaccines being worked around the world, you know, and we have the top five labs working on it. So I have no idea, and I didn't know that Biden had a lab working on a faster vaccine. Now, that was a surprise for me when I read it. But those are the kinds of things that they're putting out there and that the media is made, you know, doing a, becoming an echo chamber instead of challenging those facts, instead of challenging the, 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 those issues that we all know that they're not true. We all know that they're basically political talking points and they don't get challenged. And, you know, and, and that's just the way it is. And, and for me, it wasn't surprising the reaction. It wasn't surprising what Stephanopoulos, Stephanopoulos did and said, you know, we know where he comes from. He's not a surprise what uh, Jake Tapper said and, and, and all these other folks, because we know where they come from. So it wasn't surprising for me. I don't, I don't believe it wasn't for Danny. I don't believe that it wasn't for a lot of people that are following from the journalistic, the real journalistic perspective was going on in, 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 this, uh, in this campaign, in this election. It's not, it's not a surprise at all. And to piggyback on what Willie just said about the vaccine, one of the things that that I think the moderator, although I think she did a much better job than Chris Wallace did last week, um, because she did press uh, Kamala a couple of times with some pretty tough questions, like, for example, the Green New Deal being on their website, despite the fact that they're denying, uh, you know, banning, uh, wanting to ban fracking. Um, So one of the things that I want to piggyback Willie on with the COVID and the vaccine is that she has been, she has said multiple times publicly that if the vaccine is available under the Trump administration, she's not going 
going to put it on. She's not going to go into a minister. She's not going to put it. And I'm saying to myself, well, I didn't know, just like Willie said, he didn't know Biden had any labs. I didn't know Trump had any labs because, yeah. you know, she's sitting there saying, oh, if Trump comes out with it, well, you know, it's not Trump. It's an actual lab coming out with it. And I just couldn't believe it. And so last night, she had no choice but to clarify, well, if the president, if Trump says for me to put it on, I'm, for, for me to put on the vaccine, I'm not putting it. But if Dr. Fauci says I have to put it, then I'll do it. I'm like, oh, God, that, see, that was such a childish remark and reaction that I was like, are you kidding me? I they just have to, it's a question about that, Danny. Let me piggyback on that. It's like, I, and I have this question for you guys, too. Did you, do you know if Dr. Fauci actually treated anybody with COVID? No, he hasn't treated any patients. And that's the whole exactly. the ridiculous aspect of it is Dr. Fauci has not treated any patients on the front lines when it comes to COVID. He, he is just reacting and making recommendations based on a bunch of charts and data and data that's sent to him. So it's absolutely ludicrous that she would go back on what she said previously publicly about not wanting to put a vaccine because it came out and it was approved under the Trump administration. And then when she's confronted about that fact last night, she says, well, if Trump says I should put it, then I'm not. But if Fauci says I, I should, then I will. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, I think, to that point, I think we should use Dr. Fauci uh, to our advantage. And I think <laughs> Vice President Pence did because Fauci has been all over the place, to be honest. He has, he yeah. has absolutely. So they, the Democrats and liberals are really manipulating Fauci. And what Pence said when he was attacked by Kamala Harris saying that this administration has covered up the fact that they knew that this uh, uh, virus was really serious, he quoted Fauci. And what has Fauci said? He said that this administration from the, from the get-go, from the very beginning, has been very honest and totally transparent with the American public. Everything they knew, they told the American public. And I think that he silenced her because she quoted yeah. Fauci. Yeah. I, I think the dishonesty, however, and I have to go back to, to a couple of points made by Willie uh, on, on, and Danny as well, on fracking and the Green New Deal. Because it's, it's highly ironic. You know, they can keep saying, we are not going to ban fracking. When they, on numerous occasions during the primaries, just a few months ago, both of them were saying, no more fracking, no more fracking. That is important in places like Pennsylvania. They're, they're listening to that. Are, you know, are they going to believe somebody who has contradicted herself so many times? Of course not. So I think uh, 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 Pence uh, scored many points on that. The same thing with the Green New Deal. They, you know, Biden said last week, you know, I'm not for the Green New Deal. Well, if you go to their website, there it is. And she didn't answer that because she knows that, uh, you know, they're not being honest. They're trying to be everything for everyone. They're trying to please the radical base and at the, time, at the same time say, that they don't want, uh, they're not for the Green New Deal. And so frankly, very dishonest uh, uh, on, that, on those points. And to add to what Alfonso just said, last night, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the, the, uh, you know, the epitome the represents the radical left of the Democratic Party, actually tweeted after she said that, no, they're not going to ban fracking. She actually resorted to Twitter and said the following, fracking is bad, actually. So, you know, when you have the head of the radical left wing of the Democratic Party contradicting what your 
vice presidential candidate is saying in a debate, you know that they did bad, and you know mm -hmm. that they've lost that radical left wing of the of the Democratic and Party. And that and that was a great point that Willie made last week, right? Is as 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 bad as that debate looked, mm -hmm. uh, Trump Trump was effective because the strategy was to split him from that radical. From, exactly. You know, he had he had to get the Bernie Bros off the bandwagon. <laughs> And and it looks like they're peeling, right? We well, saw they're peeling last night with AOC. You know, let's see what else happens, right, Alfonso? Well, what's also incredible about Pence's performance is that even on the leftist issues, he was incredible. Take climate change. You will think that he will be on the defensive. No, he turned it around. He said, in the U.S., at this point, we have cleaner water, cleaner air. In terms of CO2 emissions, we are the number one country in terms of reductions. We're reducing CO2 emissions more than the countries that have signed on are still uh, signers of the Paris Agreement. Mm -hmm. So that agreement means nothing. Yep. And so it turned it, it really turned the issue around. And I think he was very clear in saying, look, we are for a, a clean environment and we're delivering, but at the same time, we can't do it at the expense of the economy. It really flipped the, the debate. And I don't think she was able to, to counter that. Well, she wasn't. It, it, you know, it's, it's incredible how they have concentrated on uh, President Trump and Vice President Penn has concentrated on the issue. And that's it's exactly what I said last week. If you listen to that debate, the first debate, a couple of times you read uh, the transcript, the president made solid points in terms of policy. You know, he was screaming, they were going back and forth, and there was a lot of noise and all that. But when you look at it, they did that. They both did that. And, and I believe, and I still believe that the president achieved what we just talked about, looking to crack down the base of the, uh, of the Democratic Party and the radicals. And he did that. And, and, he, and he showed. The Ocasio-Cortez tweet uh, shows that. And also we've yeah, seen I mean, some of the Bernie Sanders people. Yeah, if AOC and some of the Bernie bros are- Yeah, some of the Bernie people are already, they're, you know, they're, saying they're that- checking, They're checking off their VP candidate live. Yeah. Uh, that's not a good sign, right? And he, ha and, he, and he has to be worrisome for them because that's their base. That is their base. And, and, the, and to the contrary to what the president and the Republicans are doing, is like the base is still solid. It's behind the president. You know, and, and that and that's not he has not changed, and I don't think he's going to change because we're seeing what the other side is. But you know, even on the USMCA, which even many Democrats have voted for it and have said publicly that it's certainly better than NAFTA because it's better for U.S. manufacturing. It will create new jobs and raise wages. Pence made the point that she was one of the few Democrats that voted against it because she felt that the environmental protections did not go far enough. So yeah. really made her look like a radical, which she is. Which she is. Tanya, how would you rate Kamala? Kamala, because if you call her Kamala, you're a racist. Yes. Uh, yes. How, how would you rate her performance? I'm just curious. Well, I honestly don't think she was effective. She seemed a, a bit immature at many times. I, you know, as a woman, um, I've learned that when I want to make a point, I want, I have to be as direct, as confident, and as, you know, strong as possible. And the rolling of the eyes, the smirking, the shaking of the head, like, you know, oh, whatever. It, it just seems so immature. And so, and it came across as arrogant, uh, cynical and someone who really 
you know, doesn't have any sort of argument or valid argument to win a debate. And it just, to me, I think she, she failed terribly. Um, I don't think she was effective. I think she became very emotional. And that goes to the point of why they, they have to use the attack of the, pre the vice president uh, mansplaining her because she clearly demonstrated that, you know, or, or, or completely devastated this argument that women are strong. And she made herself look weak, you know, by resorting to these typical, um, you know, stereotypes of what a woman is when it comes to a strong argument. If you're an intelligent, articulate woman, you don't roll your eyes. You don't shake your head like, yeah, whatever. You don't um, smirk and you don't give an attitude. You prove your point with facts. You become, you're articulate. And I think that's where she failed. I mean, there were many points in which she was basically stuck and looking for words and trying to find the path of her argument because she, because the vice president basically disarticulated her. Like he, he took her apart with facts. And the mm -hmm. fact that he took her apart, uh, apart with facts she didn't know how to react, so she became emotional, which is a strong suit of the Democratic yeah, Party. Yeah, and, and, and I think, you're probably going to say the same thing, but she was losing her cool last night, wasn't she? Oh, absolutely. I, I think the perfect example of what Dania is saying, which is totally true, is when they were talking about foreign policy. That's true. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> where... That was a disaster. She didn't know where to go. So at the very end, when asked about Iran, she says, well, Trump has insulted the military. He said that, uh, you know, what did they die for? No, and launch into a number of attacks. He used an argument that has been discredited. I was about to tweet that somebody please send her a damn globe so she has at least some geographical reference of what the hell is going on in the world. This woman, oh my God, she was lost. It was incredible. Guys, hey guys, I, I, I got I to touch this, you know, because like, I think Alfonso mentioned this earlier, or maybe it was Willie, um, you know, <laughs> The, 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 the debate is going to disappear, and it probably already has by this morning. Um, the DNC, the Democrats, the media, the super PACs, uh, they're trying to drag, the, drag this corpse, you know, across the finish line. Uh, it would be funny, as in weekend at Bernie's, but this is presidential politics. Um, Willie, what do you think? The commission. Well, I, I, I think the commission. The commission uh, debate. What the hell is that? It's not a debate. It's, it's, a, it's, a Q, it's a Q and a with the host. You know, it's, it's not a debate. And I, and I don't think the president made the right decision. Say, hey, you know, I'm not going to participate. It's like, what is this? It's not a debate. A debate is a debate. And this is a Q&A with the host and, and a host that uh, probably is not going to be asking you the, the right question. Because if you looked at it last night, which is and I don't know what you, what you guys think about this. When, when uh, Vice President Pence was asked about if the, he was going to uh, peacefully transition, if he lost the election, that was like the best answer we've heard so far. And says, look, you guys have been trying to take us out of office for the past three years. You not only spy on our campaign, but you tried. And he came right at the best time of all because we have the documents now to prove it. You know, and the, and the fact that the anchor or the or the host never asked the questions that came out Harris yeah. something about that issue, something like, wait, you know, you basically the vice president can the, the the candidate for vice president for for a, a a former vice president that was part of a group that tried to illegally take this president out. You know, why now. should the U.S. Was, trust this kind of leadership when you're using the agencies of the federal government, the intelligence community? to try to take, you know, to spy on Americans and to try to take away illegally a president. 
you know, how corrupt is that? This is the kind of thing we criticize from other countries, but it actually happened in our country. That question was not asked. You know, and to ask, and, and I believe Vice President Pence, he handled it perfectly when he said, look, the only people that have not been transitioned peacefully are you guys. You know, they try to take us out and spy on our campaign. I think that was a, that was a great point. Uh, and in terms of foreign policy, she was a disaster, you know, as you guys were saying. And, and, and Pence just took it, you know, he basically destroyed her piece by piece with foreign policy. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I was surprised for a U.S. Senator of her stature to, uh, to be totally clueless in, in foreign policy. You would expect, you would expect her to have some knowledge, right? Or, or a better grasp. And it just went to really show um, where her focus is, right? Is in, re in real radical Marxist policies that are meant to transform the essence of the United States. And I love, I love that when the vice president call around and say, look, you know, we moved the, 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 uh, the U.S. Embassy to, to where it needed to be, where we promised we were going to put it, we did. And you guys, you know, Biden, you know, uh, uh, um, Obama and Biden, you know, they, they promised we were going to do it and they didn't. She had no answer for that. Right. You know, he completely destroyed on foreign policy because she had no clue. Yeah, she had no, she had no answer for a lot of her eyes. Yeah, exactly. Said, you know, I mean, the intelligence committee. And, uh, you know, foreign policy, this is very simple. And Joe has taught me this. It's all about relationships. You know, that sounded like we're in high school and you have to know the cool boys versus the, what are you talking about? And then she goes, he doesn't, you know, Trump doesn't get along with our friends. Look at NATO. Well, what about NATO? They're paying more in defense. You know, they're supposed to spend more and they weren't spending uh, what they're supposed to. So finally, Trump got them to do that. That's a victory for the American people. Yeah. And then she talks about Iran, you know, look at them. They're now building up, building up under Obama, Biden. They were all throughout the Middle East promoting, you know, Islamic fundamentalism and violence. And we took out Soleimani. Yeah. We did away with the ISIS caliphate. And Pence explained it very clearly. How did she respond to that? You doesn't know, know what the caliphate is. Afraid of us. They're afraid of us. That's what we want. And they gave them over a billion dollars, which they used to yes. attack our interests and attack our allies. Yes, in cash, in a plane, in the middle of the night. Exactly. 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 And the worst part is that she doesn't even know the, the basic concepts of international relations and she doesn't even understand it. And you know, when he, when he mentioned the caliphate, when he mentioned Soleimani, when he mentioned al-Baghdadi, her face was just like, it was clueless. If you looked at her reactions, she just, she was trying to grasp at how to respond to that. And she couldn't, she couldn't because she doesn't have the knowledge of exactly, I, I bet she doesn't even know what the Arab Spring um, was all about. I bet she doesn't even know how ISIS became to be the, the you know, to sup the superpower that it became to be um, after the Arab Spring. So just looking at her expressions when he's mentioning the caliphate, I said, I said to myself, I bet you she doesn't even know what the caliphate was. Yeah, no, absolutely, guys. Um, you know, do you, how do you guys see this playing out with the debate? Uh, the president said he's not going to participate in it. Does that hurt him? Does that hurt Biden? Does that hurt the commission? Does it take credibility away from the entire process? Or is it just, um, you know, another day at the office? I think that, uh, look, as, as you were saying, 
this is not about science. This is not about following the guidelines. President Trump, Trump his symptoms, President Trump's symptoms started last Friday. The CDC is very clear. To be able to go out after having COVID, you have to be, it has to, 10 days have to pass after your first symptoms. And you have to be, 24 hours have to pass after your last fever. He hasn't had fever since Friday. So he's gonna be okay. He's not gonna be contagious. So to me, this is an effort to help Biden in several ways. First of all, they wanna keep the issue of COVID in the center of the discussion. Mm -hmm. They did it during the vice presidential debate by having those plexiglass boards that really are absurd because they were more than six feet apart. Uh, the vice president is not contagious. He doesn't have COVID. So it's, it's ridiculous that they did that, but they do it as a prop. Here, look, COVID, COVID. So they're doing the same thing here. Keep COVID at the center of discussion. Secondly, obviously, it's not a debate, as, as Willie Well said. It's going to be a montage. You're going to have Biden remotely from his basement. Possibly, I wouldn't be surprised with talking points or uh, a, or a little microphone. He's going to look great. He's going to look great. Come on. That's exactly where I wanted to go, Alfonso. Thank you very much. You are the master. Um, it's, it's just it's just more fraud, right? Um, th this guy was, uh, he, he sounded like he was, uh, like the Adderall was wearing off towards the end of the debate last time. He was slurring his words. Um, you know, this time they can take breaks or they can, you know, he, he could be hooked up to an IV machine. Who knows? But, uh, but what he certainly will have is a teleprompter giving him answers, giving him prompts. Mm -hmm you know, giving them cues or having an earpiece. Um, the president's not saying that he doesn't want to debate. He's willing to debate in person. Correct. Yeah. yeah. There's no threat. There's no health threat. They're going to cheat. And uh, so, so we skipped the second one. But, but look, but, but just but look, look at what happened with the NBC threat. town hall meeting. Yeah. Yeah. That was a complete fraud. That was a joke. That was a joke. I mean, when other networks are criticizing a left-wing network, you know it's bad, right? Yes. Um, it's a shame that this uh, debate isn't going to happen. It was in Miami. I was going to sneak down there. Uh, I was kind of excited to get some sun, um, get some good vitamin D in a nice Republican state, um, my old my old stomping grounds for 20 years. But, hey, um, we'll see what happens. Um, do you think debate number three happens or it just gets thrown out the window at this point? Anybody. Well, I think I, I think uh, I think it will happen. You know, this this will be a task for the commission. You know, the uh, the people will be saying the same thing that we're saying. You know, he's not contagious. You know, they, why why not debate? It's not a debate. It, it, it is a Q and A with a prompter that they're going to do, and that's not a debate. They, we need to have a third debate uh, with with both candidates. The first debate, most of the people did not understand it. It was a it was loud, it was chaotic. Uh, you know, Chris lost control of the debate, you know, all that. So we have not seen a debate, but like Alfonso was saying, they need to continue to push the COVID situation uh, to the front for, for the forefront, you know, is the, is the narrative, is the dynamic. And, and that's what the only thing they have. So, but it needs to be, you know, third debate needs to happen. For and, sure it needs to happen. And I agree with Willie that it needs to happen. However, we need to, we need to take a few things into consideration. The moderator for that debate, Steve Scully, is a former Biden intern. It's also yeah. a former uh, Ted Kennedy employee. So, you know, how much 
should we trust for this debate being virtual um, to be fair? Because, you know, I mean, basically they're going to have the ability to just, you know. They're going to cheat. Absolutely. Yeah, filter the questions. I mean, it's, it's, you can't have the same controls. And I tell you this as a, as a teacher who has had to transfer from going from teaching in a classroom setting to teaching online. Do you know how hard it is to get teenagers and to get, you know, college age students to actually turn on the damn camera on your Zoom so that I can see that you're awake and you're paying attention in class. Whereas if you're, if you're in class, you know what? I'm looking at you and I can call you out to participate. But mm-hmm. when you have a virtual sitting, it, setting, even if the person has the camera on, do they, are they really paying attention to what you're saying? And, and I think it just, it takes away from so much. And, and, and I mean, I, I've, I've about had it with virtual everything. <laughs> it's just everybody has it. The travesty of, of, of this whole, the process is compromised. We can't trust the media because they're, they say they're independent journalists. It turns out mm-hmm. that they all work with Democratic senators or members of Congress or a Democratic mm-hmm. White House. Or as Willie was saying, with the town halls, Every single uh, regular average citizen asking a question turns out to, t- turns out to be a Biden supporter. Yeah. We're going to have to treat town halls and how to choose people who participate as, as we do a, in a criminal uh, trial where we have a voir dire and both uh, lawyers try to identify those uh, w- uh, uh, jury members that are not going to be uh, biased. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. this is a government commission that can be lobbied. What's the process for selecting who's going to ask a question? It's yeah. ridiculous. If you just look at the fact checking on all the networks, they're always fact checking the Republican, never the Democrat. But even the last question, though, the last statement of the debate that the uh, the anchor did last night came from the daughter of uh, uh, former President Jimmy Carter. Yeah. You know, it just—I was like, oh, seriously? Yeah, I'm like, seriously, guys. Um, you know, it can be that obvious. You can't be that obvious. Hey, so quick question. Um, you all have seen uh, The Highlander, the movie. There can only be one. Is Trump Highlander? I mean, he's defeated, you know, a coup d'etat. He defeated uh, his government spying and colluding against his campaign. He defeated the Mueller investigation, the Mueller report, the Mueller hearings, the uh, fake whistleblower. The, the fake impeachment, and now COVID. Um, is he the Highlander? I mean, who else does he need to beat? He beat Hillary Clinton and, you know, uh, 16 other Republicans, the media on both sides, uh, both establishment parties. I mean, this guy is, uh, is, is, and I say this in jest, but uh, like in the movie, every time the Highlander defeated somebody else, he got stronger, right, and absorbed their power. It seems like this guy just keeps on getting stronger. He comes out of, um, you know, I was down there at, uh, at Walter Reed. It was amazing. Uh, Montgomery County, Bethesda. Uh, Alfonso, as you well know, is uh, Liberalville, USA. I think it's the zip code where the most uh, educated uh, people are in the country. I think the per capita graduate degrees are, I don't know how much more than in any other city or any other zip code in, in, in the United States. It's very elitist. Um, and, you know, they never saw anything like this. Um, you know, Friday came around and we went out there and, um, and there was a group of people there. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. We drove by and honked and their cars honking and it was kind of fun. 
Saturday, it was a, uh, it was a blue wave. Um, it was just amazing to see the amount of energy and enthusiasm for the president. Um, then Sunday comes around, you know, and, and, and Saturday all day long, all night. I mean, it was just a madhouse hundreds and hundreds of people and the caravans of cars driving by honking waving flags everything people from uh, all over the united states sending all these volunteers or not even volunteers because it wasn't organized by anybody i'm uh, just sending all these you know supporters you know pizzas and donuts and sodas and bottles of water it was crazy I remember being there and there would be cars that would just stop by from Domino's or Pizza Hut delivering 10, 20 boxes of pizzas. It was, uh, and you look at where, where did this come from? Awesome. Oh, somebody in California sent them, somebody in New York, somebody in Florida. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, it was spectacular. And then Sunday, you know, the doctors come out and then the media starts saying that, that, that it's all a lie that Trump is dying and he's on a ventilator and he can't breathe and all this stuff. And, you know, next thing you know, Trump comes out in a motorcade giving everybody the two thumbs up. It was insane. I mean, it was crazy. Um, the enthusiasm and the energy out there. I had not seen this kind of energy. Uh, like I said yesterday, probably since the 2000 Bush campaign, after eight years of, of, uh, of Bill Clinton, um, it was just amazing. This was 2016 on steroids. And, you know, at the beginning, uh, Friday and Saturday, you had all the liberals and, you know, Alfonso, you know them, know them very well like I do, um, mm -hmm. you know, honking and, you know, giving us the middle finger and, you know, screaming, I hope he dies and all kinds of stuff. Uh, somebody somebody uh, drove by and threw a bottle of bleach and it landed on this young kid. Um, you know, they're, they're just nasty, heinous, disgusting people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and by the time Monday came around, you saw that expression of hate had worn off. Um, the, you know, you can only hate so much and for so long, right, before it wears you down. And it was really remarkable to see almost like a wake-up call. And my brother lives there in downtown Bethesda, by the way. And, you know, there's Biden signs everywhere and Black Lives Matter and, you know, all, all kinds of crazy stuff on, on signs and you know i i have a very big i, I have a ram 1500 rebel right uh, very big truck it's a you know 5.7 liter hemi four by four and i have these two huge flags on the back that are trump flags um so when i was pulling into his neighborhood to go pick him up and my nephews and some of the other friends that 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 have been in hideout for for years in that neighborhood, um, you know, people were, you know, people would be yelling, et cetera. By, uh, by, by Sunday night, the people were resigned. They weren't yelling. They weren't screaming. They would just put their head down. They're resigned. Um, I thought that was a really interesting progression that I saw over three days um, that, I think they're, they must have said, wow, I mean, what happened? You know, I, you know, I didn't think this was real. I would see it on TV and, you know, Alabama or Florida or somewhere, but never here. What, you know, that must have been, you know, quite a wake up call for some of these people, especially elitists like they are, that they think they know better than anybody. And all of a sudden 
their entire city is full with thousands of Trump flags and people and supporters and people driving by waving flags, honking, yelling, you know, we, we were driving by and, you know, we had, you know, all the Trump rally songs going on the radio. People had like these portable big speakers. Um, you know, it, it was pretty amazing. And one of the things Willie that, you know, that, um, that I wanted to share with you is the attitude from, you know, from, from your former colleagues in the media and, and, and you two, Danya, is, um, you know, they're pretty upset. Yeah. They're, was, they're, yeah, they're, they're upset. Is it going to survive? They're upset. That, they're that? upset that the president of the United States was not dead. Yeah. yeah. And they're, exactly. they're upset that there are so many people out there supporting him. And, you know, like I told this one person, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to do that. Um, Cause I actually like this person, even though the network is garbage. Um, you know, she told me, you know, what do you think about all this? And I said, uh, you know, I think it's amazing. I think it's a, it's amazing. It goes to show the support that the president has, even in somewhere as liberal as Bethesda, Maryland, mm -hmm. you know, it goes to show that people are, you know, are, are, are sick and tired of being, you know, attacked and intimidated and insulted and, and, and yelled that into hiding. And you saw that over the last three days, moms with strollers the amount of diversity on monday the amount of black people hispanics i was talking to a friend of mine in miami and he's like how's it up there and i said i think i'm in hialeah brother i think i'm in hialeah everybody's everybody's speaking spanish it's crazy you know we're and i'm not kidding you know it was that kind of diversity um you know but the media was so upset they're like, well, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're running, they're, they're, they're not being nice to us. They, uh, they're still upset. They still want to know what kind of medication he's taking. When was the last time he had a PCR test or a negative test? Uh, they don't believe that he's still alive. It's insane. It's insane. You know, having uh, shows after shows dealing with how we're going to progress. Who's going to, how do we get Pelosi to be the next president? It was insane. I was like, I cannot believe we're seeing this on television. It's absolutely and that was the entire focus. No, and I agree with Willie. It's absolutely insane because when it comes to Joe Biden, when, when people um, actually request, oh, well, let's see the cognitive test. Let's see this. Or when Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, may she rest in peace, was hospitalized. Well, you know, let's see the test. Let's see if she's really in remission. You know, they, they got offended because they're like, well, they're protected by the HIPAA law. So then that means the HIPAA law doesn't apply to the president. And, and this is one of those circumstances in which you're like, okay, so the law applies according to who you think you agree with and then you discard that law with those that you don't agree with and, and it's absolutely ludicrous because you know the media has become such a laughable stock of the of the american uh you know culture that it, people don't trust them anymore and to me it's sad it's sad as a former journalist to see what it's become to see that journalists have become a laughing stock to see that they've they've been showing their their political biases on the air i mean this past weekend when the president was hospitalized one of the things that i found absolutely appalling is that they're having these political pundits on the air talking about what are the circumstances under which Nancy Pelosi would become president. Uh, hello, she's second in the line of secession. You have the vice president who's not positive to COVID. I mean, as long as you have a vice president, 
She is nowhere near, you know, it, it's just, it's absolutely ludicrous that they completely disregard the line of secession, that they completely disregard the constitution, uh, you know, just because of their political biases. And, and I just couldn't, I mean, they were talking about the president dying and the man wasn't even in a coma. I think the, the funniest thing for me was when they were actually trying to diagnose the president without even seeing him or touching him or, with you know, spending a couple of minutes looking at his on the air. results. Yeah. It, it was they didn't insane. They have a doctor on the air. They had political pundits talking about yes. the president's health. It was, it, was, it was like when the whole thing with the taxes came out, came out on the New York Times. They didn't bring a single accountant to talk about, the, you know, the, the tax code. It was all political pundits. I'm like, yeah, okay, good. you know, it's just like, how do you think that people are going to have any confidence if what you bring is just political pundit instead of bringing an expert, instead of bringing yeah. an accountant that can actually explain to you how the tax code work and why he was able to do that the same way that the guy who owns CNN, NBC, uh, the guy who owns the New York Times and uh, Carlos Lind, the, way, the same way they all do with the, ta with the tax law. He's not unique for the, uh, for the president, mm -hmm. but they didn't want to tell you that. Right. Hey, Alfonso, quick question. So back, back, back to my jest. You know, there can only be one. Is he the Highlander? Um, does this make the president stronger? Well, let me say first that I'm at a loss here because I, I haven't seen the Highlander. Uh, okay. No, but, but does COVID, does him surviving COVID, the COVID. We talk about. Uh, <laughs> so, but let, hey, by the way, you must be the only person in our generation that has not seen that movie. So. You know. Not along with Sean Connery, where Matthew Broderick goes around with a hawk or something. <laughs> so anyway, let me say, the point that you make and how you vividly uh, told us about, uh, you know, the stay, uh, President Trump's stay at uh, Walter Reed and, and the support he had from the people, I, I think it, it shows what's happening in our country. And it goes to your question. Are we going to be a country, a democracy of the people, by the people, and for the people? Or are we going to be a country controlled by elites that control institutions, that control the media, that control public opinion, what we're supposed to say, what we're not supposed to say? That's what this is all about. So this Trump supporters go into Bethesda, Maryland, Montgomery County, Maryland, super liberal, and they speak up. So it's an expression of the people. Uh, in a liberal uh, area. And after three days, they had to accept it because the people spoke up. That's the power, that's the citizen power in the United yep. States. And as to your question, Trump represents that people. He's got the media against him, all, all the so-called scientists that are not scientists, everyone against him, the whole system. That's what they hate him. He's against the, the military establishment, the financial establishment, the, the globalist establishment. He's against everything. So everybody's against him. Mm -hmm. And, but he's representing the people and the people don't want to be manipulated. And so we need to speak up. Can he uh, overcome those major challenges? I, I think he can. I think he can because I do believe, like Ronald Reagan, in the decency of the American people. People, Americans don't like to be manipulated. Americans love freedom. And I don't think people understand what that means. Europeans don't understand freedom. You know, they have hate speech laws where they regulate speech. They tell you what, you know, if you say certain things, you're going to jail. If you're in Italy and you say something offensive, you, somebody may file a lawsuit against you in France. 
That doesn't happen in America because our vision of freedom is very broad. And I'm concerned when government starts saying, well, this is wrong. This, this is what you're supposed to do. I'm very concerned. This country started with 13 colonies, people who came here because they did not want to be ruled by the establishment because the establishment had all sorts of restrictions based on the economic class, based on religion. They wanted freedom. And uh, so that's what we're fighting for. And, uh, and we're seeing it at every single step of this journey, be it the debates, everything. They, put, they try to put restrictions, obstacles. And I have to say, Trump has defeated one after the other. I mean, this, the whole administration has been a whirlwind, but think just of this year from the beginning. I mean, we're, you know, even in two days, we thought we were gonna talk about the vice presidential debate this morning, we're talking about if there's going to be a next debate because they're already trying to scheme how to, you know, uh, go after the president. So I truly believe that this is about true democracy. Look, liberals ascribe, they, they follow Rousseau's vision where he would say that, you know, we need a, a democracy where the will of the people is manifested. But Rousseau would argue that the will of the, the, the people are ignorant. The citizens cannot govern themselves, the people, because they're dumb. So we need an elite that can, that can, that understands the will of the people, an educated elite that will represent. They know better. They know better. Rule the Barack Obama, somebody, you know, Michelle Obama, somebody educated like that, not Donald Trump. So honestly, that's, that's really what this country is facing. Are we gonna go down the path of Europe and a big government, socialism, controlling sectors of the economy, speech, or are we gonna preserve our freedom as our founders understood it? And I think Donald Trump is the person that's representing the people. Awesome, brother, I appreciate you as always. Dania, does this make the president stronger, weaker, um, or does it make a difference? Well, honestly, I think that, um, you know, Donald Trump is one of these uh, people that uh, regardless of what the outcomes are, he remains strong. And to his base, he, you know, every single obstacle that, that he faces and overcomes makes him stronger. And the truth of the matter is that we are facing a historical moment in the, you know, in time in which this has become the most persecuted president of the United States of America. There has been no other president in the history of our country that has been constantly persecuted, not just by the mainstream media, but also by the opponents, by the Democratic Party. And, and you know, and it's been evident when this week, you know, the president tweeted that he was gonna declassify all the documents associated with the Russian collusion hoax, where we knew and we were able to see an actual handwritten note where you know, this was all planned by Hillary Clinton to deviate attention from her 30,000 emails. So, you know, if it doesn't make you weaker, it certainly makes you stronger. So, I, and I think that that's something that um, his supporters have seen time and time again. And every single time that, that this man is punched, he punches back harder. And he has not deviated in, in, in that um, you know, in that aspect. And I think that, that, that the media has seen that. And that's why they're pulling its strings desperately to try to bring him down one way or another, along with, you know, the Democratic Party, because they've tried in every single way. And he always comes out at the end 
victorious, which means that, you know, the, so if we want to say that it hasn't made him weaker, it certainly has made him stronger. I mean, he has overcome every single obstacle that they've put in front of him. He's actually punched back every single time that they've punched. And, and, and I think that's what has him pulling his strings because they've never encountered a president that has actually punched back every single time that they've punched at him. And, you know, in the past, the media, and I tell you this as someone who was in the media for 15 years, you know, every time that uh, we criticize the president and we, for example, you know, it sounds ludicrous to say it this way, but we would say, oh, please, Mr. President, jump. The president would be like, how high you want me to jump? And he, but Trump, he's like, what, jump? <laughs> Why don't you do it first? You know, and that's what they have in this man. And they, and they have not known how to handle and deal with it. So yes, in essence, I think that everything that has happened is eventually going to make him stronger. And, you know, and, and he hasn't stopped punching back, even with his positive COVID, um, you know, test. He has not stopped punching back. And I think that that is what demonstrates his resilience with everything that, they, that they've tried to do against him during these past three and a half years. Fantastic. Uh, Dania, thank you so much. Uh, Willie Laura, man, <laughs> last but not well, least. They, they, they say so much. I think, you know, I agree with what, what Alfonso and Danny just said. You know, I, I'll, I'll just stronger. Does him beating, I, I, does him beating COVID, uh, you know, I, I, or I, does it make no difference? Uh, no, definitely stronger. I think, I think that and we, you know, we live through so much in our lifetime. But President Trump is one of those presidents that is once in a lifetime president. Yep. You know, he goes, has gone against everything and, every, and everybody, and he's come up on top. And what I mean everybody, I mean everybody, the FBI, the NSA, the CIA, the, uh, the Democratic Party, the, the anti-Trumper, the never-Trumpers of the Republican Party. He's gone against everybody. And on top of that, he goes against COVID and comes out. Right. You know, and I think at the end, history is going to have a different written about uh, the president. Right now, you know, we're in the middle of this heated um, debate of, you know, if he's right, if he's wrong, you know, where we go from here. But history, we judge him differently because of what we just discussed in this past hour all the achievement in terms of policy, how to bring the country uh, to where it needs to be respected and, 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 and all of that, you know, being in Europe, the difference, and like Alfonso was saying, is that in Europe, Italians are Italian, Spaniards are Spaniards, you know, French are French and their identity, you know, the same thing with the, with the British. In the U.S. is a melting pot. And what, what Trump is trying, is trying to say, look, we have an identity. This is America's first agenda. You know, this is the, the United States of America. Just like in Europe, you have all these different countries that their priorities are their country, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying that in the future, writers and historians will, will you know, will, will write differently about the president that we have today, you know, in the future as the way that, that we're seeing in the media and newspapers and reports and all that today. It's going to be a completely different thing in the future when the history about Donald Trump's get written. Awesome, man. I appreciate you guys. The great Willie Laura, former executive at uh, CNN, uh, Daniel Alessandrino, also CNN and Univision, and she is the host of the Daniel Alessandrino Show. Uh, you got you to gotta watch it. Uh, use uh, Google Translate or something, but figure it out. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, and, and the great Alfonso Aguilar, former Bush administration official and president of uh, the Latino uh, Partnership for Prosperity, correct? So real principles. Oh my God! I, I, dude, you gotta shorten that name, man. I'm, I'm not highly educated like that to uh, come up with all these things. And anyways, I appreciate you guys, man. It was a great show, and we'll see everybody tomorrow on more Battleground.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.